So we begin with this mirror image. I've been looking at this for a long time. I think this is one of the first images I started to put together uh, when we went to the Darga sometime in 2016, I suppose. And it's all about the veils here and the mirror. So the mirrors and the veil become the metaphor and the imagery for what we see here. So let me go ahead and read this uh, paragraph. And I was just editing that uh, a few days after the, the last session, and that turned out to be exactly what we need to start with. So in this passage, Ibn Arabi says, learn, God assists you and me, that God said, no, indeed, there will be on that day the ones veiled from their Lord. And he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, said, God has 70 veils of light and light blocking. So light blocking here is zulm, and zulm, uh, so Z-U-L-M, often translated as darkness, but it's actually light blocking. If they were to be unveiled, the glory of his face would burn whatever his sight perceived in his creation. Consider how thin, nigh invisible, these veils are, and just what they are concealing. He said, we are closer to him than the jugular vein. Despite the presence of these veils, which are preventing our sight from seeing him in this great proximity. So Ibn Arabi says elsewhere that great proximity is a veil as much as great distance. And because of these veils, we do not see any entity, Ein. She is too veiled from us. So therefore, the Ein, the, the who you are, the, the, the point uh, around which all of this existence is clothing you uh, is not to be seen, cannot be seen. So he exalted said, we are closer to him than you are, but you do not see. And it is a good thing, O Lord of us, that we do not see you and we do not see the veils. We are behind a veil of veils and you are positionally to us at the place of the jugular vein or nearer to us than we are. This proximity is a reason for a lack of vision on our part, why our vision does not connect to you. Human beings do not see themselves, so how can they see? we see you while you are closer to us than ourselves? The utmost proximity is a veil, just as the utmost distance is a veil. So way over in about page 7,000 or something, Ibn Arabi just, uh, drops everything and says it as clearly as possible. He says, who looks at the mirror? The mirror is shaped as a mineral, an angel, a human, a horse. You are the image. And then he says, clearer than this, one cannot be. So this is his clear statement of how the system works, how this place works. <laughs> and then he says, so the image speaks up and says, here I am. And even though I am from your brilliant radiance, from your tajalli, and flush against your image, as the hadith says, still you are not me, and I am not you. So I've always seen that uh, passage is, is coming as quite triumphant in a way, maybe masculine and, and triumphant. And uh, to so that's clearly... Ibn Arabi has gotten to a place where he can have the triumph of the image uh, looking back and saying, here I am. But certainly as a child and for a long time after that, uh, this position of, 
of triumph was not mine. Instead, if you think about the mirror and who is on this side of the mirror, as it were, dimensionally, and the image we are on this side, that's a separation. So, so this separation um, is something that is the basis of our yearnings and our, our separation drives us to find the, that which is no longer separate, to find this unity, to find this uh, return. And so uh, Ibn Arabi looks at this return and love uh, as two different modes. One is Adamic, so based on Adam, masculine, male, and the other is Eve, based on Eve, and so feminine and female. And so this page here, <clears throat> this slide, we'll look at the Adamic, or the, what Ibn Arabi calls the, the yearning for Adam, for Eve. So Adam is incomplete when Eve is removed from him. So his longing is for himself, because she was a part of him. God filled the place in Adam from which Eve was extracted with passion for her. So this vacuum that Adam feels when Eve is removed, that vacuum is the passion that he feels. And that passion, uh, so this is sexual passion, that passion drives him to look for her. Now, Ibn Arabi will talk about this desire to need and desire to be complete uh, in chapter of love, he, he looks at the, the archetypical uh, position of Majnun, so Majnun Leila. And then he says in this poem, Majnun's love has no populated flourishing abode in him where she lives, where Leila lives. He has nothing but complaints about distance and separation from her. I am his opposite because my beloved is in my image-making realm, so he never ceases being near. My beloved is from me and in me and with me. So why would I say, woe is me, woe is me? Okay. And the other kind of love, the Eve-based love, uh, so in that previous slide, I don't have any illustration because I have really have never had a taste of that Adamic love and yearning. Uh, my taste has always been uh, the, an Eve-based tasting. So, I'll, uh, so that separation, when the image is separate from the one looking at the mirror, <clears throat> so Ibn Arabi says that Eve yearns for Adam because he is her home from which she was configured. So this Eve-based love and yearning is the image separated from the one looking and then wanting to return to the one looking, return from where she had been, where she came from. Thus the love of Eve is the love of the home, and the love of Adam is the love of himself. So Adam wants to become complete uh, again, uh, whereas Eve wants to return to the place she was after the separation, that was caused by the separation, this, this abandonment. And so there's uh, this, the qawali or poems or songs that have always pulled me are ones which are, I'll call them Eve-based songs or Eve-based poems. And this is in the subcontinent, the 
the tradition of when you speak from the Eve-based place, it's uh, like the Hiranja story uh, and then Majnun Leila elsewhere. After a night, so after a night of union and ecstasy, so this is the night of union and ecstasy that where the lover has come, but it's also after having been in the one who is looking at the mirror and now you're separate, the, you wake up that morning separate and there's separation and loss and abandonment and calling out and crying. So this is the, the mode that comes through with this Eve-based love. And we have uh, my very good friend in Lahore, I think is on right now. And so, but I'll go ahead and try to pronounce the Punjabi. So after promising to come to me quickly, you have forgotten the date. So you haven't, so we had that time together, the union and the ecstasy. And now this next morning, you're gone. And then I fell in love with a man who cares nothing for me. So I am reduced to sobbing here by myself. Luca, Luca, Rona, Pegia. And so this is the Eve-based uh, poetry, which is the feeling of abandonment. There was fullness and ecstasy and union, and now there's separation and abandonment. And as a child, all, I became pretty much very explicitly aware of all of this abandonment issues, as it were, at about 10 years old. And at 10 years old, um, I would, uh, the books that I kept reading over and over again uh, would be Count of Monte Cristo, who is someone who is alone, isolated in the dungeon. And when he leaves the dungeon, he severs all ties and connection. No one knows who he is. And so he goes through the world unknown. No one knows who he is. Uh, Colin Fletcher's book, uh, Walk Through Time, which is when he traveled from one end of the Grand Canyon to the other all alone. And then Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, of course, created, separated, abandoned, um, and then doomed to walk alone. And uh, so this last sentence from the book, he sprung from the cabin window as he said this upon the ice raft, which lay close to the vessel. He was soon borne away by the waves and lost in darkness and distance. Uh, also, of course, My Side of the Mountain, which is the one where the kid runs away and spends his uh, a year or whatever, uh, completely by himself in the forest, uh, and the boy who sailed around the world uh, alone. So you can see where all of this is going. So these were the books that uh, I read and read, uh, and understanding explicitly that this was a, a situation of, of abandonment, separation, and wanting to find this return. Now this finding the return, what happens, what Ibn Arabi tells us is that this, the path to return is one which is the, the, the site of return, that is the divine, is always putting out for us things to attract us. It's try, it's, the way that, that God calls us back to the return is setting things before us that we are attracted to and we are drawn to. And often we won't know why we're drawn to this. We won't be aware that we're drawn to something special, but we'll know that this is something here that's special. I need to be here. And that is the one is the call back. And so this is how, so he interprets then this uh, 
verse from Quran uh, in, in the most beautifully positive way. So like a mirage in the empty desert, the thirsty one reckons is water. So like a mirage in the empty desert, the thirsty one reckons is water until when he reaches, he finds nothing. But he finds God before him and who fulfills him completely and who is swift in fulfilling sufficiency. So these mirages are, these, are the things that are put before us to attract us, to lead us to where we need to go. And when we reach there to the mirage, the, part, the thing that we thought we were going for, we find nothing. But suddenly we find God. So this is the call. This is the way it comes back. And this, the Lawrence, a strange attractor there. Um, and so, yeah, so these, uh, these attractors, so I, I can, there are a few arcs. Everyone will have a, uh, many arcs in their story or their, their, their search and their seeking. Uh, I have an arch that kind of goes from Estonia through Indus Valley to the Maldives. And uh, I then was very interested late in life to find out that, that uh, Vikings, th this, was, this tiger shell, something like that, was my favorite object as a child, and especially in this 10-year-old time. And I found out that Viking burials have uh, these cowrie shells that are coming from Maldives. And apparently, there would be trade coming from the north to Astrakhan in this kind of center of this arc. And then there would be trade from the south up to Astrakhan. So this is how this arc actually historically uh, was, was completed. And so, uh, you know, my father's side are, are Estonians and Germans uh, in Estonia. My mother's sides are Mennonites from Russia and Holland. Um, so I was, as a child, very fascinated in Vikings, and not just the Vikings, but the Minnesota Vikings. And so my heroes were, you know, Alan Page, Carl Eller, the Minnesota Vikings. So, uh, so these things that develop as we grow older. Let me make sure. And so uh, right now we'll be, we'll listen to a, uh, I've asked uh, Lishan to give a, to talk about uh, some, this mirage and this journey mirage. And so we'll be hearing her voice in just a minute, if I can get everything working out here. And this is where I'll need uh, the, some thumbs up to make sure I'm hearing things correctly. So like a mirage in the empty desert, the thirsty one reckons his water until when he reaches, he finds nothing but he finds God before him and who fulfills him completely and who is swift in fulfilling sufficiency. So as soon as you hear something, Abdul Haq and, and Klaus, I see your picture. Give me the, the thumbs up as soon as you hear something. The two play, tell secrets, eat sweets, and she tells him about the world she has seen outside of China. The next scene she remembers is his deathbed covered by a very beautiful handmade quilt. These are her earliest memories, very blurred, but the only remnants of a distant past and place, like a dream of a distant home that never became hers. I went to the temple to see your future, her grandmother says. What did you hear? She answers, the message said, the jade is wrapped in hard stone, but something will make it break one day. And only through the breaking will the jade appear. 
She smiled and said, thank you. Is this journey circular or maybe a loop or is it seemingly a spiral? A mirage so beautiful and so close. As she moves closer, it keeps shifting, appearing, disappearing, reappearing until she finds nothing and she repeats and repeats until she finds something she never thought would find her. All people, events, moments and paths will eventually merge and will eventually make perfect sense in due time and place. She didn't know that in her name itself she will find three elements the verb to be slow, the subject the jasmine flower, and the family name grateful. Sarah Ahmed said, Home is somewhere, it is indeed elsewhere, but it is also where the subject is going. Home becomes the impossibility and necessity of the subject's future. One never gets there, but is always getting there, rather than the past that binds the subject to a given place. And the messenger, may peace be upon him, said, Be in this world as though you were a stranger or a wayfarer. Okay, thank you. So, and I think those the two images of Wayfair, the the stranger, and and love are become the the images that we see, you know, throughout the Sufi history, um, and the the Sufi path of of being a stranger and and not being where they are supposed to be, not being in their home, um, and the way they know that they have to the path that they know they have to follow is the path of love. So the one path of love that Ibn Arabi talks about is animal or life-based love. So animal is hayawan and life is hay. So these are the same word. And he has this passage. The animal spirit, the spirit animated in nature-based forms, is nothing but that breath. And each breath is then the spirit of each one of the two breathers, in and out. And by spirit, the one who kisses him revives him during the moment of sighing, respiration, and kissing. Then what had been a spirit belonging to Zaid begins to become a spirit belonging to Amr, through breath exiting from the one who loves. Thus the spirit takes on the formal shape of love, and the pleasure of love comes with it. When it becomes a spirit in this person to whom it is transferring, and the breath of the other starts to become a spirit in this other, you express that as two individuals becoming unified, each one to the other. And then it is correct for you to say, I am the one I love, and the one I love is I. This is the utmost endpoint of spirit-based loved in the nature-based form. It is the statement in the Qasid at the first part of the chapter, spirit to spirit, body to body prone. And 
what I've learned from Bhakti is that this moment, as you see in the illustration of the, when the circle of the, the, the dervishes comes together and the high, 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 she always says it's the one breath, one life, one breath, one life. So this is how the Sufis produce this return of love by the breathing. High, 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 one breath, one life. So that's the ultimate of spirit-based love in a nature-based form. And the other divine love is the one when you love what the beloved loves, not because it fits you or it's in your nature to love it, but you love it because the beloved loves. And this is uh, the lake in Geneva where my Oma, my grandmother, would take me fishing when I was a kid. And uh, she, someone had asked her, oh, said to her, oh, you must really like fishing a lot. And uh, she said in German, thinking I wouldn't hear it and understand, uh, no, I, I don't like fishing at all, but Eric, he loves to fish. And so that was the, that's divine love. When you love what the beloved loves, even though your nature, it has no reference to your own nature. In the same way, we are pleased with God's fate for us, decision for us. We're not pleased by what he gives us, the thing itself, but we are grateful and content that it was God's decision. And that makes it, that, that, that's how we can handle it, because it's, we have divine love for our beloved, for God. Okay. So, I, so at a, whenever I began to really plunge into uh, sort of an, uh, an articulate understanding of what was going on with me as a kid, uh, later on in life, I became, uh, I studied the Hadith. Uh, very, very deeply, and especially Musnad Imam Hanbal. Uh, this is the hadith collection of uh, thousands and thousands of hadith, and uh, often in like 20 or 22 volumes. And 2,326 of these hadith are Qalat Aisha. Aisha says. So we have 2,326 statements from Aisha from a woman from Arabia from 1400 years ago. So it's just amazing. And this is, and I, and the reason I, the, the reason I could, I could see or, or explain to myself why I was so avid in studying the Hadith was, if I was going to make demands of the divine, that is, I'm going to say, I don't stand for this situation. I need an answer. I need a return. And if I was going to make such, you know, strong demands, then it was only appropriate that I followed the divine commands meticulously. And this demands is something I'm right now having to figure out how to translate all this. The word uh, sala, to ask or demand. So it goes all the way from asking, which is very polite and, and, uh, and nice, all the way to de demand, which is, you know, very strong. And in fact, Ibn Arabi says, our dua, our prayers are imperatives. They are imperatives. We're actually commanding God to do something. And we're commanding God. And so, but because it's a command and because it is so strong, we call it a dua. We call it a request. We call it a prayer. But it is, at the basis, it is a, an imperative. It's a demand. 
And so Ibn Arabi reports this story about Hadith, and Ibn Arabi was also known very much as a scholar of Hadith. He said, I saw a man of the integrated ones after his death in a dream. I asked him, what did you see over there? He mentioned many things, and among them he said, I have seen books put low and books raised high. I asked him, what were these books raised high? He replied to me, these were books of Hadith. So I asked him, and what were these books put low? He replied to me, these were books of Rai, of opinion, waiting until their authors are asked to account for them. I saw the matter to be one of great intensity. And so, and then Ibrahim has this one statement, learn, may God give you success, that the Sharia is the clear middle path beaten down, the middle of the path of the felicitous and a way of felicity, who walks on her is saved and who abandons her is destroyed. And this verse then, this is how, why it's going to be difficult when we, whenever I come to these, these statements, they ask of who, whoever is in the heavens and the earth for their being every day, who is in a brilliant shining radiance, providing each creation, each moment it's being. So this asking is actually not polite. It's a demand. That is, everything in the heavens and the earth is demanding of God their being. It's like when you are, you're, not, you're, you're not very thirsty and someone has a glass of water, you say, may I have that glass of water? I'm asking you for a glass of water. But if you're desperately thirsty, you don't ask anymore. You demand. You say, give me that glass of water. So that demand uh, is the, the root of all of our prayers. And I thought if I'm going to be demanding something so gigantic from the divine, then it would uh, be only proper for me to do what needs to be done, that what the beloved is asked to, to do. And uh, we have today uh, on, the, on the Zoom right now, one of the participants is the one who wrote this to me March 20th, 1999. And um, yeah. And it was a memorable day, a special day at the tomb of Bole Shah. Uh, Kasur is, uh, is south, I guess, of Lahore. And uh, Bole Shah is the, the Punjabi Sufi saint. Um, and the story behind that is uh, that Javed was, uh, and I were, he said, let's go to Bolesha tomorrow. So uh, we said, yeah, let's do that. And uh, we met a friend in Lahore and we, and this, and at the friend's house and, and I asked her, and she asked me, so what are you guys doing tomorrow? And I said, well, we're, we're going to go see Bolesha. And she said, well, we're going too, but we're taking Abda Parin. So we said, okay, we'll all go. And so we all went together and uh, ended up at, Bolesha's tomb. And I'll see if I can say all this quickly enough. Um, so that's a picture of Abda Parvi, and this is a picture of the tomb of Bolesha. And uh, so that morning, uh, Abda Parvi you know, had her head down, her veil, and then it, after a, a long, long time, maybe 45 minutes or more of, of heart shattering, and, and the Ibn Arabi cites this hadith very often for us, that Allah says, I am with the shattered of hearts. Now the shatter of hearts, the munkasira, the shattered of hearts. So when if I, if I break my arm, that's called breaking. And if the heel's a bit, and then it breaks again, that's called shattering. And so shattering is when you just kept getting hit and hit and hit and hit. 
So uh, this hit and hit and hit of the Parveen, then she lifts her veil and, and started singing the Qasidas, the songs, the poems of Bolesha. And so when I went into the tomb, uh, I heard something like, or it's been done, or it's taken care of. So, uh, and then you can see these islands up there, the green. So it's been, it's been taken care of. So I went to, uh, then I flew a few days later to Karachi and, I, and a friend met me, I was staying with them. And uh, the first thing I said was, you know, we, I've just been to Kasur, Bolishah's tomb, and Abda Parveen was there. And he said, is that right? I just saw Abda Parveen over there. So we run through the airport to try to see her again. And uh, when we get to the end, I look up and there's a gate sign. And the gate sign says, Male, PK flight something, 1320, leaving at 1320. So Male. Okay. So a few months later, um, a friend back in Santa Fe, a friend said, you know, I've just heard that there's no malaria in the Maldives. And I said, whoa, I'm supposed to be in the Maldives. So I sold my motorbike and went to, uh, went to Mali. And uh, that's another story. So, uh, and this passage here, this way back up to the front, the here I am. So the, the feeling of the lovers, I weep if they stay away from yearning desire for them. And I weep when they get nearer, feel for, feel fearful of separation. And the Divine Rabbi said, this is the lot of whoever loves another other than his own ayin and takes the existence of the ayin of his beloved to be something external to him. So if you believe your beloved is external to you, you're in trouble. But if he loved God, that would not be his situation. The one who loves God is not fearful of separation. How can anything which is constantly clinging to you be split apart from you? You are in his grasp, never falling out. And whatever you see, it is your beloved. And he is closer to him than the jugular vein. And you did not throw when you threw what God threw. So what is separation when there is nothing in existence but who? So uh, now we have Elahi, and uh, I'll turn this over to uh, Baki and Enora um, to sing this Elahi. Oh, Oh, so, so, oh, 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 oh
This is, uh, to pronounce it in the non-Urdu way, Nijamuddin, Nijamuddin's tomb. Uh, when I was there not too long ago, uh, there was a sudden, I saw a guide as, from the side of my eye. It was sudden, it was completely immersive. There was a burst of communication. And this Waqiyah is defined uh, among the Sufis as the Waqiyah is, she is, so we can translate this event, or I put in parentheses spiritual event, because it's not like a political event. Uh, she is with the Sufis, that which the traveler sees during praising dhikr and plunging into a state with God, where the senses are hidden. One is between sleeping and waking. The incoming experience, which sinks flus against the heart from the unseen world, this is the wakya, in whatever mode it may be, whether gentle or rough. So this is the wakya, uh, a burst of communication. Uh, now I'll ask uh, Omer in, to, to uh, recite uh, this part of the Quran for us. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيتها النفس المطمئنة ارجعي إلى ربك راضية مرضية فادخلي في عبادي وادخلي جنتي O soul that has attained to inner peace return to your sustainer well pleased and well pleasing enter then with my righteous servants and enter my paradise. So this is the call back, come back. So return call and come back to your cherisher. And so it happens when there's a, the nafs, when she is mutmainna. So that is this lowland. It's been depressed. It's been put down. It's at rest and it's unruffled. And uh, this is, then relates back again to that shattering of hearts. It relates back to the, the, the arrogance, the ego, the arrogant ego being, being cut by, and by the flashing sword of love. So love is the, the mode which reduces arrogance to downness, <laughs> depression, and, and lowness. And it makes the nafs down and low in such a way that at that moment, 
the cherisher calls, says, come back to me. And then we come back, and we come back with these devoted slaves or devoted creatures. So it's been about, we've been talking about veils and separations and uh, divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. The fragrance is never separate from the rose. The flood tide is never separate from the sea. Divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. The honey is never separate from the comb. The servant is never separate from the Lord. Divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. The true heart is never separate from the true faith. The dervish is never separate from the true shape. Divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. Thank you. So you've seen this, uh, these, this illustration before. Um, it's uh, in a sense from a, a one part of a, a dream, which I'll say here. And so in this dream, a guide says, I'll take you home, but not with me. And so uh, once I say, well, I don't like it, but I accept the but not with me, suddenly I plunge towards uh, the neck and there's a sea of veils and I, I'm plunging through seas of veils, veils and veils and veils and veils, and then all black, all light, all black, all light. And Ibn Arabi talks about this a few times, the all black, all light. And if you think to a, a 
dark movie theater that the movie projection is the light is getting is cast to the to the screen and so the screen is project is is showing the projection of this light and so and in, and then in this dark movie theater if you raise your hand up there in the middle of it uh, your hand will suddenly be illuminated the light will hit your hand so that's why ibn arabi says this is zulm which is light blocking so this the hand blocks the light and suddenly the light is visible so until the hand is there there's no visible light so it's all black all light and i'll ask uh, klaus to, to go ahead and recite this poem what are words it is the sound what is this sound the overtones the echo and rumi said peace and blessings the key to will Receiving the present is presence. Knowing we are loved reveals the lover. Hearing, seeing, giving, dancing in the pool of water and singing. Is this the echo or the sound? Thank you. So knowing we are loved reveals the lover. Let's look at that. Ibn Abi has this poem. It is yourself you witness, you precious gem, blessed by means of yourself. It is yourself you witness, you precious gem, blessed by means of yourself. So look into the mirror, you will see me. So look into the mirror, you will see me. And with that, Ibn Arabi then often will say something like, now if you are ignorant of yourself, which is after all the closest thing to you, then you are even more ignorant of the other or what else, of everything else. So this is the find out and see yourself so that you will see your cherisher. And now we can hear from uh, a song from Farida and Fribourg. in love with me. 
Okay. So thank you. Thank you for being with all of this. <laughs> Hello, Sheikha. Um, salam alaikum, Shweb. I'm so sorry that uh, Ali and I, um, I don't know, we were engaged and came on late. So, but we picked up the thread uh, when you were speaking of, you know, the separation and and union and the mirror and the self and what, but there was something you said that I didn't quite grasp. You said, um, how can we be separate from ever presence, you know, the, the being who's always there. Um, of course, that brings to mind many Sufi poems who were complaining of separation. So you could say it's a different state than that's being shown that is afflicting the, the lover's heart. But then you went on, I mean, so I want to ask about that. And then you went on and said um, that something like, but in Fana is separation or there was separation, but is it extinction or not? I didn't quite catch that. Very fascinating though, quite amazing. Uh, I will listen to the whole talk later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's all our all our poetry is the yearning and the separation. And uh, what's so amazing is that Ibn Arabi can write poetry even from another place, besides, uh, saying that all of those people who they can't find their love and their love is so far away and they're so separate says, "I'm I'm opposite of that. I have my love right here." <laughs> and so, of course, it is that. that's good for us to know. My love is right here. Every time I look in the mirror. I see my love. And so this is the, you are witnessing yourself. So look in the mirror and see me. Yeah. Um, but I, I uh, want to interject something from a personal experience there. We were in Santa Fe with Sheikh Muzaffar, with Effendi. And we were in the, happened to be in the a kind of dressing room area. I don't know, after, before Zikr. And he was looking in the mirror, literally, <laughs> with such love, you know, and you know, he was looking at himself. And uh, I mean, we were all present. So presumably, we were all part of that self. So yes, alhamdulillah. But continue. Sorry, Shwin. No, well, so, so I think, um, right. So it's, it's the back and forth. And that's what we, what we hear in the song. And we heard in the poem. Mm -hmm. And in the Yalahis, it's the back and forth. And I think um, also Lishan's uh, description of the mirage it's the it's you return but then you need to return again and so every new creation is every tajalli is every moment when we are separate but then we come back again separate and come back again so the so that separation is there for that for that moment um once yeah. once 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 the return has come then the separation return happens quickly. So Ibn Arabi says, so the mystics, the, the, the Arafin, they don't have much nuns, you know, insanity with love because they are very sure, they know deeply 
that God is not separate from them. So they feel it instantly, but that doesn't take them into uh, a destructive yearning. They know that they'll return in that next moment. And so, and so in a sense that, so Allah is, is teaching us how to be able to be seeing Allah's self. You need to be separate or I can't see you. And then that, and that separation will be painful, but it's right. for the return. And then right. to go <laughs> but it's the return in the manifestation or the return is in the extinction, the moment of extinction. Well, uh, it, it, it can take place on, on these different levels. If you, I was just thinking again about the Truman Show, what a great movie. When, when the boat that he's on splits uh, and pierces the reality, the fabric of reality that he's in. So for that is the awakening of the soul. And so when the soul awakens, it pierces through the reality, goes behind the curtain. But then Allah says, here you are behind the curtain, but the whole point is to see you, is to see me. So it sends you back across to the other side of the curtain again. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, how precious. I mean, so, so precious. Thank you. Jureb, I have I have a question about the prayer, um, because I've always felt, who am I to make a demand of Allah, and and so I ask, <laughs> I request, I don't I don't demand it. It doesn't seem, I mean, and I don't even I don't like praying for a specific thing because I think. I don't know what's best. I, my mind can't know what's best. So I pray that someone be blessed or, or whatever in a, in a general sense, because I, don't, I can't know what that blessing look, looks like. So can you say more about the, the imperative uh, of the prayer? Yeah. You know, th this is, I mean, what I've learned from Ibn Arabi, and he'll say that the dua, the prayer that is most effective is the one that is most intense. So in other words, right before you're crashing into something, that prayer that you give, save me from this, is going to be the one that's answered. So it's the most intensity that you give to the prayer is the one is commensurate with what comes back. And so this, this great need and great demand is the one that Allah is seeking from us because every moment we are demanding our being. We're, we're not saying, may I please have a sip of water or may I please have some being. We're saying, we're demanding it. We're saying, this is this is being is all good and non-being is all bad so i want and desire and demand my next being and so this demand uh is the one that puts us directly into the the relationship with the divine the communication with the divine and so the tr the trials of job job's complaining to god is what makes him uh praised by god he's praised by god because he complains to God. And Ibn Abi says, if I take if I take something God gives me, afflicts me with, and I take it just really steadfastly and soberly and all of that, he says, that's actually a discourtesy because it's saying, you know, is that the best you've got? <laughs> so it's a discourtesy to accept these things. The courtesy is to be like Job and complain immediately to God and say, that's too much for me. So over the years, I've been very fast to say, that's too much for me, and, and very quick to say, that's hurting a little bit. I think it's time for you to take that away. So, and that's the communication. And so in a sense, I think we had that in one of our sessions, this 
establishment of communication is why these pains come to us and why the complaints are given. If I could just follow up. I mean, that sounds like the distinction between Hafiz and Rumi's poetry. I mean, Rumi is saying yes to everything and Hafiz is saying, how dare you, God? You know, how dare you do this? So you're kind of saying Ibn Arabi is more on the Hafiz side of, of how to receive life. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's very direct. It's, it's very direct and, uh, and so, because he's, but Ibn Arabi is telling us that that's why we have in the law, we have so many details so that every, like permitted things. So we don't just do the permitted things because they're neutral and that, oh, we're just doing it. You're saying, I'm doing this permitted thing because it is permitted by God and I am therefore obeying a command of God. So I'm writing my pen at this angle because that's permitted and I'm doing it because God has permitted me to do this. And so that's, so the communication is there not only for the forbidden and the required, but for the completely permitted as well. Thank you. But Shweb, we all know we all have this experience that sometimes no matter what we ask or how many times, the answer does not come in the form that we would like. So the next step is to surrender that Allah has something else in mind for that person, for us, uh, you know, in a situation where we are wishing someone to be well and it's not happening, or at least in the term we would like, of course, which is from a place of maybe ego, but also deep heart, deep um, caring for a person. So what do we do? We just wait and just stop asking the same prayer. And I'll just trust or try to to trust that no matter how it looks like, even if it's a very terrible situation, um, the answer hasn't come, or at least in the form we would like. So what is the, as Sufis, as dervishes, uh, we probably do like Rumi, you know, the guests, like every situation is a teacher, or do we continue asking? <laughs> because, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you have an answer to that. Yeah. Well, even Arabi keeps pointing us to the, it's the establishment of communication. So the response is, is, the, is that it's going to be there. And then he gives that, that very sort of painful story that, that when Allah is surrounded by the higher angelic hosts and, uh, and someone makes a, a prayer, an imperative, and uh, God says to the angels, resolve that one's problem quickly. I can't stand to hear the voice. But then when the beloved is asking for prayers, God says to the angels, delay in responding to his request because I love to hear his voice. So the, what's, what's needed is the burst of communication. <laughs> and so then, yeah, and so this is how we, the, and then we get into the, in, we get if once we get used to it when we when we learn how to do it all the time as as someone like you who is constantly in prayer so being ever in the salat is being ever in the prayer is being ever also in the communication with the divine and so what happens is you know the x happens or y happens but what always happens is the communication is open so <laughs> I'm reminded of um, one of the Arifin 
who there was been there'd been a drought, and he went outside and he shouted. He said, "If you don't send water, you don't send rain, I will become very angry." And there was a small cloud in the distance, and it expanded and filled the whole of the sky, and the water flew down, was drenched the whole ground. Yeah, and that's that's why all all of the stories that when when you see someone who is going to the the Hadra, to the to the Sufi circle says uh, ask them at that moment because they are the site of they are the mujib the site of the jawab the site of the response so and so the place where that response is going to be is just now walking over there. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. Dr. Winkle. Thank you so much. Uh, so rich. Uh, amazing. Mm. Um, I have a question, Dr. Winkle. If oh, yeah, I the, might. Armando, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, I was meditating on these uh, previous questions regarding the, the supplication, the dua, and the answer, and such and such. Is it, will it be relevant to uh, speak of some concepts such as istidat, for instance, preparedness? and receptivity coupled in the sense that I think what even Arabic mentions that, uh, that the dua might be answered or might not be answered. And it depends on the preparedness. And if I'm not wrong, the preparedness is related to the ontologically to the Ain Tabita. No? So it's the servant needs to know what his preparedness is in order to ask for first. Otherwise the answer might not come. Is that right? Something like, would you say it's we can explore this dimension of istidat, this concept mm -hmm. of istidat? Yeah, I mean that's and that's and that's uh, those those are that's one of the things to focus on when we're on the path is to be looking at this idea of, of preparation. Um, in a sense, in this in the kind of what I what I said in those slides about the hadith study, for me was that was a preparation. That was a way to prepare myself. And so little did I know. And then it turned out to be quite valuable when I'm translating Ibn Arabi to know that, oh, this is a hadith. <laughs> so where it comes from. Um, and if you think of the other words of, of imdad and medet, so in Turkish it's pronounced medet, to give me help. And so an imdad is the extension of help. So uh, Ibn Arabi says that the right hand that comes to you is the, you, the right hand comes to you either at the Kaaba or from the, the sheikh, the sheikh, from the guide, the right hand comes to you and you grab that right hand. And that right hand is imdad, it's been extended. So we also looked at the idea of the ink is called midad, so that the ink is dipped into the inkwell and then it, it extends and brings the ink into some other place. And so that's imdad and midad and then medet. So help is extend me the right hand. So this is why, you know, the right hand that's extended to us, we take this right hand in Baya and, 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 we, and, say, and this right hand is telling us, I will pull you out of the ocean and I will take you where you need to go. So when we see the right hand, we take it. And that's also the Sufi poems of the love of the right hand that's been extended. So extended imdad medet help. And so uh, the crying for help is crying for the, the extension of the right hand to come. Thank you. 
And if I guess say have a hello to uh, Javed is right there. Uh, his daughter is Saliha Javed, and so and that's him. It's been many years since I've seen him, but can never forget every moment. Um, and with uh, Javed was telling me about a, a near-death experience that he had, I guess, very long ago when you were quite young, and uh, and and when and that description to me guided me in, into all of in so many of my studies to what is it to pierce this veil what is it to see this other side and uh getting that from your from the nde the near-death experience that you told me about so alhamdulillah alaikum eric shuaib yes Khatija. i want to thank you for opening your heart to us it was really really beautiful and also i'm a little bit I need just a little explanation. Um, so we, we need to be pleased with Allah. But on the other hand, being pleased can count, can be kind of discordious. Like, how do we find the balance? Thank you. Yeah, the, and the only way I understood this part of Ibn Arabi is, is, is from the chapter on love. When he, when everything became so much clearer, when he could describe it in terms of love. So when you when you love someone, your beloved, uh, it's not part of your nature. It's a divine. If it's a divine love, then whatever your beloved does uh, doesn't increase or decrease your love. Whereas for nature-based love, if I have nature-based love, then. Um, then, then things that go against my nature will decrease my love, and things that go with my nature will increase my love. But divine love, uh, whatever the person does, whatever the beloved does, you accept and you love, because the beloved does that and wants that, not because it suits me naturally or by my nature. And so, so this is when my, my grandmother says, you know, I don't, I, I don't like fishing, but Eric likes fishing, so that's why we go fishing. This is not because her nature, it's, and so that's divine love. And then the divine love on the, on the divine side to us is that when, when God has someone who is beloved, and uh, they, the, the hadith then is uh, the person, this person does something uh, offensive and then returns to God and says, I ask your forgiveness, I've done something offenses, offensive. And God says, I forgive you. And then the person does something offensive and comes back and says, I've done something offending. I, I've asked, I ask your forgiveness. And God says, I forgive you. And then eventually God says, do whatever you like. I have already forgiven you. And that's, that's when the beloved is the object of divine love, that it doesn't matter what that person does, they are beloved. And then, the, so then the reverse of that is whatever God does to me, if God is my beloved, then whatever God does is beloved to me. So it's not that my nature likes it or doesn't like it. It's that God decided to do that. So I love that because my beloved wanted to do that. Shuaib, uh, thank you uh, so much. Uh, I hope you can hear me. Uh, okay, good. Uh, I am uh, so touched and uh, the communication is so deep in opening the opening me up uh, fully to what is right now and and the richness of this uh we have a tendency to go to our mind to try to understand 
these things that really uh, are uh, beyond the thinking. Uh, and so uh, what was presented for me, you did in such a skillful way as to unite uh, them together very, very strongly. And I just feel that now I want to pass that on so uh, that you can be aware of the potency and authenticity of uh, what you've given. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, hi, uh, Eric. Uh, I, I would like to. I would like to thank. To, can you hear me? Yeah, I would like to thanks for the wonderful talk and uh, excellent translation of uh, Fotuhat. Really, I, I really. I'm a bit uh, meticulous in translation, like the word I guess Vaswas. So I, I comp <laughs> I really enjoyed. Yeah, I just want to mention something about the dua or uh, demanding for uh, for things to happen. I believe Ibn Arabi says that <clears throat> ultimately your dua will get accepted. It may be later or even it may, may be on the other word, but uh, I think that's uh, just a comment. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, certainly the, the timing, is, timing is a big issue. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we, um, we have on the chat a question. Can we have two or more loves all at the same time? And Ibn Arabi is very clear on this. There's only one love. You only love one. And you may call that beloved many names. So you can have many names of your beloved, um, but there is only one beloved that you have. And so this is why even in popular music uh, and songs, uh, it's always all consuming, it's always one. And Ibn Arabi takes the one uh, uh, poem about, uh, there, are, there, there are these women who have my reins. In other words, they have these, these women that he, this, this man loves, they have his reins, they can pull him wherever they need to go. And Ibn Arabi says, you see that pulling of the reins is singular. So that is, they all of them have the same place that they pull this person. And so because that same place is one, there is only one beloved. And so Ibn Arabi says, and therefore, excuse me if you hear me say, talk of love for Fatima and Inayat and Zainab, there is only one beloved. And this is because we have a jealous God. And so all our worship goes to God. And so la ilaha illallah means there's nothing out there to be worshiped, but it's, it's God. And then there's nothing out there to be loved, but it's God. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, uh, let me see if I can help. Javed is going to... Okay, we'll Unmute. Okay, Okay, Hi, Eric. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, now we got you. Oh, 
Okay. All right. Now we got you. It's 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 a very 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 special experience to uh, see you and witness the activities that you are uh, indulging in, and all the good friends the listen. It, it's it's a, I think it's a kind of a blessing. It's it's a blessing at least for me, and uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, really nice to. I I, I had a, a few questions, but sometimes if you reflect upon them, and but then we can share some. Well, one is uh, what is the uh, what is a miracle. And what, what what is the mechanism? You see, and uh, for example, uh, one of the miracles is shekel kamar, and uh, the prophet supposedly you know raised his finger up and uh, the moon. So uh, now. Uh, if we go to go, go on through science, uh, that thing doesn't happen. You see, <laughs> so uh, I, I I spent uh, uh, quite a bit of effort uh, of all kinds uh, to find out more about it. And uh, then finally, uh, it, uh, the mystery was solved. So uh, it, 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 it did happen, you see. It did happen, but not the way we imagine it. People did see that happen, and the the moon was about six or seven days old, and uh, at least one third of it was split through it, and so on. So um, maybe sometime, sometime, I can just uh, explain or describe uh, the answer that I found. Uh, but so so, uh, uh, but but the anatomy of a miracle. How does it happen, or does it happen? Because they, 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 I'm a witness to it, and, and I think <laughs> you have you have witnessed many experienced many miracles. <laughs> so so sometimes uh, uh, would be interesting if you. Uh, uh, talk about that, and then there's there's another thing that uh, uh, you see. I'm sitting here, very far from you, very far from you. But you see, sitting here, listening to what you have been saying and what my brothers and sisters have been uh, 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 saying, our the. Message they have been giving, 
you know, it, it's, uh, I feel so peaceful sitting so far away if you I'm, 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 uh, I mean it. It is so peaceful, see, and how this feeling comes across, I tell you, <laughs> I, I don't have the words to, to the, the peace that I experienced while, while I was while listening to you and the other brothers and sisters. It's, 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 uh, it's fantastic. So, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so maybe sometime if you can shed some light on the anatomy of a miracle or uh, what is it, what is a miracle or uh, <laughs> uh, and so on. Yes. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, if yeah. the, uh, there's someone who's been uh, talking about the splitting of the moon, and uh, it's something I'll really want to look at some more. So I'll be in touch with you for that. And show. No. <laughs> uh, I, okay. I, I, I spent uh, a lot of time, a lot of money. And, and uh, I, I, a time when I, it was uh, in weekend point, but 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 the, the answer came, and, and and it did happen, and yet it did not happen. Okay. <laughs> Very good. <Okay>. Thank you. <laughs> it happened, and it and not the way we think it happens, right? Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a matter, it's a matter of perspective then. <laughs> okay. And then the other thing is this. Uh, you, you experienced, I think, also this matter of uh, shrines. Mm -hmm. Shrines, you know, people go and pray there and uh, they have their own requests and so on and so forth. And again, some people get things off of their chest, you know, things about them. But, but the, the fantastic thing is that miracles do take place uh, off of these shrines. Mm -hmm. And if a person is praying, say in the mosque or at his home and so on, this is making a dua or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, requesting something from Allah. Uh, and he does the same thing from a Shrine. Mm -hmm. His wish is granted. Mm -hmm. See? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, 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 what, what is, what is so uh, special about that uh, place? And uh, uh, I've seen that happen time and again. But, but uh, so sometimes if you can shed well, some light, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, we've looked at that as the, the thinning of the membrane because in these shrines, you know, people are fed. They're fed food and they're fed, uh, they're, they're, they're fed food and they're fed, fed spiritual nourishment, all the kinds of physical nourishment. And so because they're fed and because they're asking so desperately and so intensely, that whole membrane gets thinned out and things happen 
that are very miraculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so some of the connection is facilitated. Right. Uh, the connection from, from, the, from the spot. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, 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 it's so good to see you, Javed. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. May, may Allah bless you. Yeah, may Allah bless you. It's 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 a wonderful experience. It's a wonderful wonderful experience to to have gone through all this, and uh, it's, it's it's may Allah be with you. Allah bless you. Thank you. Thank you.